It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jake Lisko, along with our other host, James Rapine. Today, we talk more about Zach Taylor because that is what the season has come to. This is what we're talking about at this point, and Zach Taylor's job, another report indicates, is safe. How much does that Miami game threaten those reports? We don't really know, but we're going to talk about those reports, his response to the game today in a testy Zoom press conference, along with some T. Higgins comments from after the game that were interesting and speak to the offense's preparation. Then we're going to get into today's episode of Mock Draft Monday, which will focus on team needs and how we've gotten to the point of these team needs and how the Bengals might be able to attack some of these needs in the draft, and in free agency. But James, let's get started with the Zach Taylor press conference and some information from Jay Glazer in the last couple days. So Glazer tweeted a Q&A video on Monday, and he was asked, do you see the Bengals moving on from Zach Taylor? He said no. He thinks that the relationship between Taylor and Burrow buys Taylor another year in Cincinnati. He also said that there are other issues in Cincinnati. There are a lot of issues in Cincinnati And he thinks that there could be a lot of overhaul in the assistant coaching ranks in Cincinnati, which for a lot of Bengals fans is better than no changes, but they couldn't really sit on their hands after this season. And I know that most Bengals fans out there are ready to move on from Taylor, generally speaking. This would be a nightmare, Jake, to put it lightly (laughs) or to be blunt or whatever you want to say, because I, I think that is putting it lightly compared to what I could say. Look, the idea that you're going to bring back, let's just assume the Bengals are going to lose their final four games. They're not going to be favored in any of them. So let's just assume they lose those games, right? Four, 27 and one. And you're going to bring him back next year with uh, some new assistants. One, what kind of quality assistants are going to come into a position like that, where if they start out two and four, two and five, they could potentially lose their jobs anyway, given Zach Taylor's track record. So are you going to get quality assistance that you can build with? And then two, he's 427 and one. He, he might not win a road game in two years. It, all of the things that we were worried about, about wasting Joe Burrow and his rookie year or, or wasting Joe Burrow's rookie contract, all those things. You keep Taylor, you, you're risking that. You're risking a lot of that because the, the odds are Taylor isn't going to get off to a good start regardless of what they do. It, 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 because the proof is in the pudding. We have, we have two years of a sample size here. So that wouldn't be good. I, I would hate that, honestly, because it would they, they would basically be saying Taylor isn't the problem. 
it's Lou Anarumo, or it's Jim Turner. And I think those guys have a hand in the issue. But ultimately, Zach Taylor is the reason those guys are here. So why would you not make the right decision and move on from all of them? Well, James, I suppose that puts you in the camp with the Bengals fans that are ready to move on from Taylor immediately. I had the fear that they would try to bring back the entire staff. I do see that assistant coach change would be better than just keeping the entire staff. I am also, I think at this point, in favor of moving on from Zach Taylor. Like you said, the record speaks for itself at this point. I don't know how you don't look at two wins and zero road wins and say, ah, you know what, it's not working. We, we needed to see some progress from year one to year two. At the same time, the Bengals, as we all know, as we've talked about, notoriously patient with coaches that are having a bad time. So it wouldn't be surprising at all to me if, if Jay Glazer's report holds true. And when Zach Taylor spoke to the media on Monday, he was generally pretty testy. I mean, and how could you not be after the season he's had this year after last year? I mean, you can think back to him making comments like, well, this is going to be the hardest year we ever had to go through last year. And then this year happens. And uh, I would I would venture to guess that this year is harder than last year. And he wasn't happy with the officials. He wasn't happy with his team. He said that he pulled Michael Jordan because of performance issues. And I'm not really sure what the coach is going to say at this point. But these press conferences are getting to be rough. And they should get rough. It, it Honestly, it, it should get hard for him now. It's just it's the reality of the job. There are 32 of them. If you win four games in a season, in three quarters of another season, so 1.75 seasons, that's impossible to, to not have heat on you. Like, it's, it's, it's impossible. I don't care who's hurt. It doesn't matter. The, 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 the bottom line is, is this coaching staff has failed completely. Now, there are other reasons behind it, and it's not just them, but at some point, the Bengals have to ask themselves, and this is what I would do because I get the logic. It sounds sound. Let's get rid of some assistance. Let's try to get better players in here and see if Zach can be the guy that we interviewed two years ago. Here's the problem with that, Jake. If you do that, then how long is his leash? Are you just giving him a whole new lease at 427-1? and one? Or if he starts out 2-6, and six, is it over? Because that's the Hugh Jackson problem that, that the, the Browns had with Baker Mayfield. They brought him in for that, that third season after one and 31 and he was fired after going, well, he won two games. He, he was two, uh, I think two, six and one or two, five and one, something like that. And they fired him. So he's three thirty six and one. Well, next year, are we expecting the Bengals to win their first four games? Because if not, then that seat is going to be really, really hot to start the year. And that, that's just the, the, the problem with it. I, I think that does burrow a disservice. It does the organization a disservice and it, and it really wastes time and delays the inevitable. For me, you're just preaching to the choir. I, I think that there's a lot of nuance that goes into this. I think that it's not quite as simple as maybe some of the discourse generally out there amongst Bengals fans. Things generally aren't as simple as they appear on the surface, but the decision is apparent. And even if it's not simple, I think the decision does make itself. And one of T. Higgins' comments, as he talked to the press after the game on Sunday, maybe validates this. I'm not sure exactly what T Higgins was talking about, but T Higgins essentially said on tape, they showed a bunch of cover zero, a bunch of cover one, a bunch of man at the end of the game, they started playing a bunch of cover two. We weren't ready for it. And so 
I don't know who's not ready for it in, in that statement. I don't know if he's talking the wide receivers were adapting poorly, Brandon Allen or Ryan Finley weren't adapting well, or if the coaching staff wasn't ready for it. But generally, I would think that a team would be prepared to face a concept so basic as yeah. cover two. I, I, I would understand that, you know, oh, they got us for a play here or a play there because they disguised something really well and they did something they hadn't shown on tape. That's fine. That happens. But if it's something that, and, and again, I don't know the specifics of what T Higgins is talking about. If it's like they ran cover two for the fourth quarter and you couldn't figure out how to beat cover two, that is a problem. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt. And that that's the thing is like odds are T and he didn't get specific, but he was asked for a reason and, and he wasn't trying to throw the coaching staff under the bus and if, if the Bengals were 9-2-1 and one, and not 2-9-1, and one, then I think we would just be like, oh, you know, it's a rookie. He said whatever. But this raises some eyebrows. And you do wonder, like, man, were they really caught off guard by cover two? Is is that what Brian Flores threw at them? And that was, that was enough to get the offense rattled? And I don't know the answer to that. But it's just it, – it's one of the, the many reasons. When you're down and things aren't going right – and you're losing like you're losing, and you haven't won a road game, and you're 0-14-1 and on the road, then that comment stands out, and, and then we analyze it, and then we wonder, and and you question it. And it because it, it stood out to me for sure, and I think it stood out to a lot of people that either read the quote or, or, or heard the quote. And Jake, let's be honest here. If, if that's the case, if Cover 2 really did throw a wrench in their plans, even if it is Brandon Allen's, you know, Brandon Allen was confused by it, or any of the receivers, or anybody on offense— well, that is a reflection at some point on the coaching staff, whether it's in-game adjustments or being prepared before the week or whatever the case may be. So I do think it is a reflection of the coaching staff, even though we don't have specifics. And again, to some degree, I agree with you. If it's just one play here or there that T was talking about and they got they got swindled, well, you know, that, that happens regardless of the coaching staff. And if it was a more widespread issue as it kind of sounded like it was then yeah definitely an, an issue with preparation that I know you've got a limited quarterback but you got to be ready for that sort of thing coming up next we assess the current state of the roster how we got to the point we're at as we set up the conversation for mock draft Monday looking at off-season needs thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Whether you're watching from your couch, a Brandon Allen touchdown pass to Tyler Boyd, or if you're at Paul Brown Stadium to watch Andy Dalton's homecoming this Sunday, Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, I was going to start this segment very differently, but as we record, we've got a tweet from Ian Rappaport one minute ago. That makes it 6.45 or so 
Eastern time on Monday evening, Sean Williams has been suspended for stepping on Solomon Kinley after a play. This was a play where Kinley came in. It was probably a little bit late, maybe after the whistle. Shoved Jesse Bates off the top of the pile. Williams found him, knew exactly what he was doing. Kinley had an injury on that ankle. Not that that makes it better or worse. You just don't step on people. It's stupid. It's Bush League. And it's a good way to hurt people. And there's cameras on you, man. Like, how do you think you're going to get away with that? Even if it were a good idea. It's just mind-bogglingly dumb. It's, It's a correct suspension. It is one game. For Sean Williams, haven't heard anything yet about other guys involved in fights. Devontae Parker punched Nick Cosgray in the face. I think he should be suspended. So no news yet on the rest of the disciplinary action coming out of that game. If there will be anything for Brian Flores or other Dolphins or other Bengals. But we do know Sean Williams will miss one game. Not surprised. Not surprised at all, like you said. Uh, Here's what I am surprised about. And as you were talking, Jake, Tom Pelissero tweeted, No suspensions from the brawl itself, but fines will be coming there. Um, Plus, obviously, the the Williams suspension, which is unrelated to the brawl. And you mentioned this before we started recording when we found out the Williams news, which, again, you stepped on someone. It's obvious. It's blatant. You're probably going to get suspended. I get it. I'm not going to argue it. At the same time, Devontae Parker hits Nick Cosgray in the face, and he's only going to get a fine. I mean, that's that's ridiculous it, it, because think about it. That means that Parker, who isn't on special teams, came across the field and hit the Bengals director of, of rehabilitation, one of their head trainers, the guy that's working uh, in hand with Joe Burrow and all these other guys when they're at the facility as they rehab, hits him in the face when he's just trying to break things up. You knew he wasn't trying to fight these guys. <laughs> he's not crazy. Um, so he should be suspended, too. And Parker was probably frustrated because he was – getting locked down all damn day by William Jackson III. But I, I, I don't know. I, I'm shocked that he's not suspended as well. Yeah, I am too. He, he should have clearly been suspended. There, there could be tons of disciplinary action in that game. Like, we'll, we'll see what the fines are, I guess. Here, here's the thing, James. I only care about one of these teams. Yeah, I'm upset that Devontae Parker didn't get a suspension because he took it out on a guy on the Bengals staff, which is a team that I care about. But... What I care about is the way this team is conducting itself. You can't have guys stepping on people. You can't have guys taking cheap shots on punt returns. And I know that some Bengals fans won't like that, but you can't like you can't just spear a guy early. I know Mike Thomas is just trying to make a play. Make a better play. Don't do something that's going to put somebody's health in jeopardy. You know, don't tackle with your head down. How long do Bengals fans get on Ryan Shazier's case? for tackling with his head down. That's exactly what Mike Thomas did on that first play and on the second play. He tried to correct it. He got there early. So, I I mean, yeah, you can do whataboutism all you want, and I'm sure I'm going to take some for it. But what I care about is the Bengals taking accountability for their actions, taking accountability for their football team and being a high-character football team. I don't want them to be the Pittsburgh Steelers stepping on people. I don't want Vontaze Burfecht back rolling with Cam Newton's ankle and his hands in the end zone. I don't want any of that. That's not something I'm excited about. That's fair. Well, I mean, why would you be? And and that's the thing is the accountability is an issue in the Bengals locker room. There are guys that are held to a certain standard and others that aren't. 
And that's, it's, it's just the reality of things. Think about how Zach Taylor talked about Mike Thomas. And he fielded multiple questions. I asked him after the game why Tom, you know, what he said to Thomas, because Thomas went out there for the, the third punt in coverage team there. And, and the only reason he was in as a gunner is because Brandon Wilson went down and was dealing with a groin issue. But I, I asked him, because after that second one, after the brawl, after the delay, maybe you're like, okay, let, let's not put him back out there. And they did. And that, again, when you do that and then you go out of your way to to rent the officials as much as he has, I just I, I wonder how much it is. Is it him trying to deflect the heat almost and try to, to hey, the NFL, the league, what are you guys doing? Pay attention to these officials instead of my awful record, because I, I, I don't know. But but yeah, I, I was uh, I'm with you. I agree. And I, I don't think that Zach wants to put out that type of team. I'll give him that. There's no doubt in my mind that that's not his his plan or idea or vision. But uh, but it was ugly on Sunday. And, and the good news is, is uh, th- they can redeem themselves from that aspect moving forward. And this isn't hasn't been a track record thing. I know people think about perfect. And I think about Adam Jones. This isn't really what the Bengals have been in recent seasons since moving on from those guys. Yeah. And, and that's why I want to see it cleaned up because I really like the direction they're going in terms of high character guys. And you can talk about, oh, the Steelers bully us all you want. Just beat the Steelers a couple of times. See what happens then. Be a better football team. Don't let them get in your head. Who cares if they're pushing you a little bit? Anyway, I I mean, that's just a rant. I I want them to be mentally tougher. I want there to be accountability. I don't want to see this Bush League stepping on players after play stuff. But let's shift gears. Let's get into our off-season mode, our off-season hats, our draft hats, our GM hats, James. I just said the word hat a bunch of times. I'm sorry. But the way that I started thinking about this today is what's going on with this roster right now? It's easy to forget that there are some good players on this team. They've had a litany of injuries this year that contribute to some of their issues for sure. But the way I see it, James, they've they've lost, you know, DT1. Geno Atkins is playing severely limited this year. I don't know if you count on them next year anyway. But that's a bit of a wild card to me right now, actually. That's something that is interesting. I don't think it makes interior defensive line less of a need. But I think Atkins is interesting. They obviously also lost DJ Reader for the year. On offense, you lose QB one, running back one, tight end one, left tackle one, potentially Xavier Suofilo for much of the year. So some of these issues have been exacerbated by injuries. Some of these issues have been exacerbated by A.J. Green, being a shell of his former self or the coaching staff not knowing how to use him. John Ross being in the doghouse immediately, not doing anything when we were excited for him this year. Non-Lawson edge players like Carlos Dunlap, Sam Hubbard, the guys they signed to replace those guys when they were hurt, etc. Haven't really done anything. Andrew Brown got released. Meanwhile, on the exceeding expectation side of things, you got what? You got Jesse Bates. And, and for me, T. Higgins. And then there's some other guys that are playing pretty well that are as expected. Von Bell, William Jackson, who's a free agent. Tyler Boyd, of course, playing very well. The needs are many. There's a lot of them, Jake. <laughs> there's a lot of them. There's either question marks or weaknesses. And and that's the scary part. I mean, if Jonah Williams, is a, if this is a serious knee injury, which it looked very serious, you're talking about needing two tackles, uh, you know, and, and, and needing because 
like Burrow, you don't know if he's going to be available week one. And and if he's going to be able to to be a quality lineman, starting offensive lineman week one, and whether that's left side, right side, guard, some people have said for what, doesn't matter where you think he could end up. He's got to be healthy first. And there are a lot of needs. And, and that's why free agency is key here. Because the Bengals, they have to, one, put a plan together. They really invested in the defense this offseason. I've said it all along. I would flip it. I would really try to invest in Burrow and and, and the pieces and tools around him. That means you're going to have to be active not just in the draft, but in free agency. You you didn't entertain trading back last year. I get it. You wanted that franchise quarterback. Well, now you got him. Now this idea that you're just going to draft Penny Sewell, that's – hogwash you have to listen to trade back opportunities because of all those needs if you could turn sewell into uh, a different quality right tackle or a quality left tackle and you move williams plus a starting corner plus a a speed receiver you know if you could turn that into two or three picks that are going to end up being quality players you have to do it because of all the needs they have and uh, that's why they have to the the main thing going into this offseason and i hope they have it they have to be aggressive jake i think that's the key And we could continue this conversation on this mock draft Monday next. But if you're trying to break through a wall like Giovanni Bernard or the rest of the Bengals running backs were trying to do on Sunday, maybe they should have taken Built Go. We talk about Built Bars all the time. Built Go is something you need to break through that physical or mental wall in the middle of your day. They come in easy one and a half ounce packages. You can put them in your briefcase, your golf bag, backpack, whatever the case may be. Heck, if you're working from home, when you just carry it right to your home office, easy peasy. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling and it's natural. So it's better for your body. It comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. I love the chocolate mint. And it combines the energy gel with collagen protein. The protein's fast absorbing. It gets into your system fast. It's easy on your stomach. You need to check this out. Go to BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go! Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jake, obviously the Bengals have a ton of needs. What do you think their biggest need is? I, I think it's, in my eyes, it's offensive line, specifically tackle now, if Jonah Williams is seriously injured. I think it probably was anyway, but, you know, edge is certainly an issue. I mean, they have some big needs. What uh, what stands out the most to you? Oh, man, it's it's such a list and it's challenging. From a positional value perspective, especially, it's valuing. So first, or it's challenging. So first, let's try to do it without considering positional value. I would say that the the weakest unit for this team, in terms of offense anyway, is, is offensive line, obviously. But I think there's actually an argument that the interior of the defensive line has been worse than the offensive line. Of course, they're missing DJ Reader and Geno Atkins has played, you know, hurt all year. So... Those are factors. 
So I would say that because of the fact that you expect DJ Reader to come back, you expect Josh Tupo to come back. I think that means it tilts offensive line because with Jonah Williams injury, you have competent starters now at one position. You're back to one position on the offensive line. And that's Trey Hopkins at center. And, and Trey for, uh, I love Trey. He he's the baseline for center. I wouldn't want to go any lower. And so, yeah, for, for me, I think it's offensive line first. I think defensive line is second. And I think they absolutely have to franchise tag William Jackson, because if they don't, they've got Trey Waynes and nothing at corner. And those are the three that come to mind for me. First, I would like another wide receiver, somebody exciting, somebody with dynamic speed, like we talked about, that Henry Ruggs type of guy. Uh, there aren't too many Henry Ruggses in this draft, unfortunately. But wide receiver is up there, too. You could talk about tight end. I think a lot of people see tight end as a luxury kind of thing. And uh, certainly edge rusher. Edge rusher higher up on this list than I've talked about. So to summarize, offensive line, defensive line, from edge to interior in that order. Cornerback, potentially especially if William Jackson walks wide receiver and then tight end. I think, I think that's it. Are there other positions? I mean, I hope not. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think that's, that's pretty much it, right? Because offensively it's wide receiver in line and maybe backup quarterback. I would say backup quarterback. That's one. Um, obviously that's not something you generally draft. You go, you look for experience and we'll see what they do there. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I think it's trenches, really. And if you can the, – the key to their current guys is can they find a way to get a deal done with either Carl Lawson or William Jackson III? Because if you can get a deal done with one of them, then you can tag the other one. And and then it's not as bad. You know, then it's not as crazy. And and maybe that's, that's the route they go. And, and personally, I would say given their injury histories – and they both have injury histories – I would lean toward tagging Lawson and signing William Jackson to a longer-term deal. Because Trey Waynes only has two more years on his contract. Like, if he doesn't play this year, and who knows if he does, I don't really know what the point is unless he's just 100% healthy to get him out there, why you would. Um, then then si sign William Jackson the third if you sign him to a four-year deal. Well, two of those, you might not even have Trey Waynes anyway on the book. So that's what I would do. But you're right, that the, the needs are long, and they're going to have to – be aggressive in the trenches. This, oh, we're going to wait till the sixth round to draft an offensive lineman. I don't care what they do in free agency. That's a, that, that cannot happen. It doesn't matter what they do. They could sign the three best offensive linemen in, in, the, uh, in free agency, the three best, which they won't do, obviously, and they still have to draft one, uh, I would say, on day two, minimum. Um, so that's the, that's the hard part here is your, the needs are so glaring in my eyes that we always talk about take the best player, take the best player. Well, that might be why you trade back because you're going to have to address multiple needs here and, and the best player uh, has to – whoever you get in round one, I think it has to fill a need. It cannot be the other way where you're taking something. And that, they have so many needs that that would probably be the case anyway. But uh, it, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see what they do here. I, I think that they inevitably fill a need because the only way they don't fill a need is if they draft – I don't know – a safety, not that there are safeties that are worth the, the top five pick that they're certainly going to get. If you're looking at an offensive tackle or a corner or a wide receiver there, it's going to fill a need. If you're looking at trading back and you're still picking up one of those positions, it's going to fill a need. 
I think that the the trap that we need to avoid is that rookies aren't always good as rookies. Even mm-hmm. if they're going to be good players long-term, you cannot generally rely on rookie players to come in and improve your team. Generally. Generally, a rookie offensive lineman will not be as good as a free agent acquisition or a veteran. The, the caution for free agent acquisitions is generally their best year is their first year with their new team. That's research from PFF. And so if you're getting a best year from a free agent in their first year, and you know that the offensive line, say, pick might not be great in his first year, maybe he is. The, the offensive linemen this year, the, the first round offensive linemen this year have mostly been very, very good this year. So maybe there's something there. Maybe, maybe Penne Sewell, Sewell, sorry, I got used to the other way, um, is going to come in and, and be great from day one. But we've heard Lance Zerline and Dane Brugler both say that those guys will be behind like Makai Becton and Tristan Wirfs, who've been great this year, but he would be behind them if they were in the same draft. So maybe you can't count on him to be great from the first snap, which goes to your point, James. You got to have the veterans that are that are going to be able to play so that you're not putting out patchwork again. So, so that's the challenge. I, I don't think you fall into need picking. I don't think that it's really possible to fall into need picking. Uh, just because just like, what, what, what do you do? You need a tackle, so you take, you take the best tackle, Sewell. When you're picking third, it's hard to screw up. Do you do you agree that they should entertain the the trade back? Like, yes, because a lot of people are going to say Sewell, and just just take him. He's the best. He's he's this generation talent. Like, and I don't know that. I really don't. I'm not going to pretend like I know enough about him or I watched Oregon last year. By the way, Sewell isn't playing this year, so if you flip on Oregon, you're not going to see him. He opted out, but. I just I don't know if he's that once in a generation type talent yet. I just don't, and, and I, I'm not afraid to to admit that. So this idea that it's you know suck for Sewell, well we'll see. Like it, it, it's it's much harder, and that's the other thing. I think it's harder to evaluate a dominant left tackle and how he's going to translate, right? Versus Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow picking him was easy. I I don't think that was really that hard of an evaluation for the Bengals, and and so this part of it is going to be tough. And and that's the other thing when we, we talk about keeping Zach Taylor, he's had his imprint on all of the past two drafts. And, and I think the second one obviously went well. The, the bro pick was obviously a no-brainer. But I think Higgins looks the part, and I think some of these other pieces might end up contributing. But, man, like, do, do you want that as well? Do you want him to have his fingerprints on a, a third straight draft? Not if it's going to be picks like trading up for Ryan Finley and Michael Jordan. Those those really took the wind out of my sails. Uh, I think that the the trade back conversation is a good team will find a way to maneuver in this draft to accumulate assets. There are three quarterbacks that would probably go in the top three. And it's just a question of whether the Bengals are are good enough, whether they're savvy enough on the trade market to potentially move back. You go play around in the PFF draft machine. You know, this isn't something that's realistic. But today, today, James, I did it. And Zach Wilson went first and Justin Fields went second. And I'm on the clock looking at Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) And and obviously this isn't going to happen, right? Trevor Lawrence is going to go first, but one of those three guys is going to be there and it could get to be a narrow gap. Now I was able to, in this simulator trade back with the bears who picked six for this year's first, second and third 
two future firsts and a future second. You take that every time if you're the Bengals. Maybe you don't get Sewell at six. Maybe he gets there anyway. Maybe you have to take Jalen Waddell or, or Jamar Chase instead. Maybe he gets there anyway because those wide receivers go and, and you know, maybe Kyle Pitts somehow turns into a top five prospect. You know, who, who knows? Yeah, the easy answer right now is take Penny Sewell, don't look back. But this is a good tackle class and I, they, they just need so much talent. And the more swings you take in the draft, the more chances you have at hitting that the multiple game-changing, team-changing, franchise-changing players. It's a debate that we'll talk about for the rest of the offseason. I wouldn't be mad at Sewell. I really wouldn't. I think he is a fantastic prospect, but, uh, man, it's just there's such a need for talent infusion on this team right now, especially after, you know, we're, we're starting to see these veterans phase out. Instead of committing to the rebuild last year, they tried to win. They tanked anyway, and they didn't pile up assets the way Miami did. And, and now here we are again looking at a top five pick and they need to get out of the pattern. That's all it is. They, they can't be the Browns of the 2020, the 2020s. They can't be the Bengals of the 90s and the 2020s. They got to break the cycle. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back tomorrow for the midweek mailbag. Until then, have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.